the dilemma is assuming that we cannot get more supply, and I think we can, but assuming that we cannot get more supply and demand continues at the higher levels that it's been, whether it be in India or China or what have you, uh, one of three things have to happen. And uh, the normal things are either prices go up here um, or we run out, right? Uh, the third thing would be we stop delivery. And that would be the thing that negates uh, U.S. legitimacy as a commodity, as a global commodity venue. Good afternoon, I'm Vince Lancey. This is the Arcadia Economic Silver Fix. It's 1 p.m. your time on the East Coast. This is being recorded at 10.45. Today, we'll be talking about the Bank of America report on silver. Just running through that quickly, show you how to look at it. That's posted on Zero Hedge. Um, touch on the behavior behind China's uh, policies uh, and uh, how to connect them. Uh, Tell you a quick story about uh, uh, not China, fuel cells, silver, and Toyota. Watch Toyota; they're an ally now. Uh, very quick comment tactically about the Comex silver arb. Everyone's talking about the gold arb. Why is there no silver arb yet? We'll touch on that. There's a reason for that. Uh, buy season. We're in the middle of buy season, so you're finally seeing some buying, not just in silver, but in silver miners that's good and november 30th is a very big day price action sprint versus marathon if we get to that uh, i'll explain it so let's uh let's get started okay you can see a little little picture that i put up there i guess we'd call that a meme uh cut off the r the united states is increasingly on the horns of a dilemma and that dilemma is uh well it's easy to see in gold, but it has been going on for about a year in silver. And that is, if we want to maintain our status as an international pricing anchor uh, in commodities, we must maintain our international status in terms of availability. Once you delink or decouple, you lose your pedigree. And I think we've been honoring that over the last year or two years uh, by letting nations that we had good trade status with, like India, take as much as they have taken. Now, it's not directly obvious, but India's metal may have come from London, and London's metal may have, some of it may have come from the US. So that's what's going on there. Uh, the dilemma is, assuming that we cannot get more supply, and I think we can, but assuming that we cannot get more supply and demand continues at the higher levels that it's been, whether it be in India or China or what have you, uh, one of three things have to happen. And uh, the normal things are either prices go up here um, or we run out, right? Uh, the third thing would be we stop delivery. And that would be the thing that negates uh, U.S. legitimacy as a commodity, as a global commodity venue, uh, and also would be a very big ding in the dollar as a global reserve currency. That's tied in with the uh, yuan's coming out party. The BOA silver, let's talk about that first. All right, so uh, it's on Goldfix, but we put up a pretty detailed version of the silver report on uh, Zero Hedge. And just walking through the uh, categories here for you. 
the banks are figuring out what we've known. Uh, and the banks are probably why it's happened. But anyway, inventories at CME and LBMA warehouses have fallen and remain suppressed. Mine supply remains well below all-time highs, which means, implies, they're getting metal from scrap now. Uh, silver demand from traditional sectors is off, and that's in no small part because uh, United States investors have been dissuaded from putting money into silver and gold over the decades. Uh, but that's coming back to bite them in the ass because people are taking physical now. Uh, offtake from green sectors, that would be solar, uh, uh, electric vehicles, and soon, coming soon, hydrogen-based fuel cells. ET investor, ETF investors still on the sidelines, as I just said, and original format. I think the thing that matters the most, if you're a silver person looking at industrial use, is this concept right here. It's a war. Right. If you if you're if you're trying if, if there's an industrial application of a metal, in this case silver, you want to use as little of it as humanly possible. And in order to use as little of it as humanly possible, you look for technological ways to have smaller, uh, thinner applications. And that's what they've been trying to do, and they've been doing that with some success. The problem is silver is so important in these applications that if you if you if you don't use enough of it, your whole purpose to generate electricity uh, is um, is uh, short-circuited. I can't believe I'm using that phrase, but there you go. So what's happened is, what they figured out is they can use less silver, right? And get almost the same uh, productivity. And the result of that is they're going to use more solar panels in each unit. So they're using more silver, but the cost per unit to produce is less. So what you have is a war going on. You want to watch technological efficiency uh, uh, reduces the amount of silver being used. And necessarily, when you reduce the amount of silver being used, you allow you drive the cost of the goods manufactured down, which allows more to be made. So if Mercedes Benzes were only $5,000, everyone would have one. Sales would explode. Uh, and you would be using a lot more Mercedes Benz medallions because you'd be selling a lot more. And silver is that Mercedes Benz medallion. That's the concept here that I'm touching on. Next, the Yuan coming out part. I started doing a post on this and uh, I was doing some uh, research and the takeaway, I'm not going to do a whole post on this. The takeaway is this. Since the BRICS meeting, which people think was more or less, you know, a dud, they're not paying attention. The BRICS meeting was a marching order meeting. And I think I've, I may have mentioned this last week. One of the marching orders, although you know, they were talking about gold, but one of the marching orders is for China to internationalize the yuan at a much more aggressive rate. And China has been reticent to do that forever. But since the meeting, headlines like this, China and Saudi Arabia central banks signed currency swap accord to foster trade, 20th of November. What does that mean? That means by necessity, the yuan's going to be coming out, coming out at the party, right? China, here's one that's obvious. China ramps up yuan internationalization under Belt and Road Initiative. 
meaning there's going to be more yuan available for use. China extends run of gold buying that helped suppress prices. Number 20. Now that's not yuan internationalization, but it is. That's every yuan they're printing, they're buying more gold for. They're backing the yuan and gold. That's that's it. Now, why does this matter for silver? Other than the fact that if gold goes up, uh, there's going to be less gold available for, for investment. And silver, although it's become more and more applicable industrial will become simultaneously more and more desirable as uh, an investment tool. But why does it immediately matter for silver? Because if the yuan becomes more internationalized, I'll just put it in one sentence for you. The more yuan that are held internationally, that is held internationally, the less dollars that are held internationally. And dollar holdings is what keeps the price of silver down in a in a process called suppression or repression. I'm not sure what you call it. But it's kind of like this. For every yuan that's printed and put out there, the price of gold goes up and the price of gold goes up in dollars. The price of silver goes up in dollars. The price of oil goes up in dollars. And it should go down in yuan even though they're printing more. So that's it. You want to you every time you see a headline that says yuan internationalization, know that's that's a uh, a little thing that's being that's holding silver back being pulled off of it like a tether being pulled away. So internationalization of the yuan is good for silver. Next, fuel cells and Toyota. When I started in the industry, quick story. When I started in the industry as a trader, uh, I was trained in commodity derivatives, and and I wanted to be an oil trader, and uh, I got that wish. Uh, but before that, the first position opened up was in silver because the trader there left. And I knew nothing about silver. I was a gold person, but I knew nothing about silver except that, you know, it's related to gold. And I proceeded to, uh, on my own, learn everything I could about it. And one of the things I learned for early on that made me a silver bug was NASA had fuel cells in the lunar rover, you know, back in the 70s that had silver in them. And silver was the best conductor, and so they used it. And so the lunar rover had these fuel cells with silver batteries in them. And ever since then, they've been working on ways to make it less expensive uh, or less less silver. The point is, these batteries weighed a lot, you know, a ton, you know, and 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 you can't put that in a, in a regular vehicle. And so for years, I've been paying attention to that, and that's been off the off the mainstream for a while. However, enter Toyota. Toyota, admittedly, in private conversations with, with their investors, has said, you know what, we missed the Tesla EV thing. We we admit that. And Toyota's like, you know, Toyota's the, the most influential, powerful car company in the world. And they missed Tesla. They said, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on um, uh, hydrogen, right? So hydrogen fuel cells. And and there are risks in that, of course, but but they're pushing hydrogen fuel cells, which if successful, would just wipe everything else out. Just wipe it out. It's Toyota, you know. And and their success so far has been pretty remarkable. One of the problems is they've been using platinum instead of silver uh, in the fuel cell. You need a the cathode. I think it's the cathode. Um, fuel cells need. Uh, conductors right okay so they were using platinum and uh probably because there's less that they have to use and it's smaller uh but the cost silver is better they want silver and they're figuring out how to use silver more and you're seeing the headline here the u.s department of energy and toyota are using silver and hydrogen fuel cells believe me this is the type of shit 
that's going on behind scenes that you're not hearing about, about silver. Just like in World War II, you didn't hear about how we were using all of our silver to make magnets to create the atom bomb. Silver is just way too important. And this is what's going on. You're going to see if they can get it at a cost-effective level uh, enough ratio, you're going to see uh, silver and hydrogen fuel cells. And then forget about it. It's going to be, you know, it'll be more expensive than, it'll be more expensive than platinum easily. Even though there's much more of it than platinum, it'll be more expensive than platinum. And there are a million reasons that you'd fight me back on that. I'll tell you one reason that that you may not be aware of. Platinum erodes. You know, you polish platinum, you lose atoms. <laughs> it's so soft. So keep that in mind. Um, you got to find that platinum and get it back. Anyway, so I think this is this is an unlocked article I just sent out. So if you subscribe to Goldfix, you're going to get 30% off uh, because of the Arcadia relationship. And um, this is, you don't need a, you don't need a, a paying subscription for this article. It's a very good article and it's very scientific without being, you know, like way over our heads. And that's that. Uh, the SGE Comex Silver Arb. This is the model for depletion. Uh, the, the path that we're on for silver and gold. The SGE Comex Silver Arb, why is, if you agree with me that the U.S. is exporting gold to other countries uh, to close the Shanghai, to take an opportunity to arbitrage the Shanghai, uh, the Shanghai premium over the Comex, then you may ask yourself, well, what about silver? Well, the silver arbitrage is bigger. It's $2. You know, that's a lot. You know, that's, that's $100 in gold you know, um, uh, for on the contract. So why, why have they not taken advantage of that? And this is what it's all about. It's all about physicality now, folks. You have to ship the gold to Shanghai and it takes a lot less space to ship that gold. The shipping is less expensive. The work is less expensive, you know? And so they're going to arb the crap out of the Shanghai Arb, as long as there's more demand in China. If there isn't more demand in China, this conversation is, is moot, right? But as long as there's more demand in China, they will Arb $50 out of gold before they'll Arb $100 out of silver. Why? Because this much gold, that much silver. That's just how it works, okay? Now, what will make them Arb the silver? When the gold Arb is gone, the silver Arb will remain. And then the silver Arb will be arbed, but not at the rate that gold is, it's simply because silver is more volatile. But what you're going to see is you're going to see what we call uh, a regression to the mean with a drift, which basically means the market's going to do this, but rotate at higher highs and higher lows. And that's what's going to happen. As long as the Chinese and BRICS demand in general remains solid and there is no arbitrage, you know, no one's pulling the silver from the U.S. They already pulled the silver, by the way. You know, that, that's it. We'll probably, we probably stopped them from doing it. Once the silver's pulled, okay, so, and we're not going to let them close it out. Well, eventually people wise up. If I want to buy silver, I'm going to buy it on COMEX. If I want to sell silver, I'm going to sell it in Shanghai. And eventually whoever is playing will do it that way. I'm going to buy, you know, I'm going to buy my comic books from eBay and I'm going to sell my comic books on Amazon, something like that, you know, wherever the demand is versus the supply and that's it and the reason i put this back up there and this is um 
It's just for you to look at and think what do you think is going to happen. When you're faced with depletion of an asset, you have two choices, assuming you want to still deal in that asset. One is the capitalistic choice, and that's A, that's you allow prices to go up. Prices and depletion create dynamic equilibrium. The market uh, stabilizes. Depletion, on the other hand, if you were to go to socialist style, would be socialism would be freeze exports, right? So depletion plus exports frozen, okay, uh, also creates an equilibrium. It's a static equilibrium, and it works in the country. Meanwhile, the rest of the world is doing something entirely different. So your country just kind of collapses on itself. Very uh, North Korea in that sense. Now, you can survive because people are giving you handouts like North Korea has been from China for the last you know, 30, 50 years. But the point is you can't grow or excel. So ideologically speaking, you would think the American way would be to go to capitalist way. Uh, and you would fear the way it would go to, free, to uh, freeze exports. The answer is we're going to do all three. We're going to allow the metals to be depleted. We're going to allow the prices to raise, but in a controlled fashion. That's why it keeps saying you no home runs, no home runs, just singles every time. This is a Pete Rose market, right? We're going to allow prices to raise over time. We're not going to overtly freeze exports. Well, we could, but I don't think we will, because that would send that horrible signal that I alluded to earlier about the global reserve currency. We're going to make it harder to get exports unless you're our favorite. So we're going to throttle exports. We're going to we're going to put the brake on exports that we're not sure of. That's it. Uh, price versus price action. Take a look at the market today. This is silver spot, the daily chart. Now, gold is getting closer to new highs. And silver, of course, is nowhere near new highs. Um, I want you to, if you can, look at it this way. We're in buy season. And the, the, the thing you care about the most if you're looking for a short-term pop in silver is you want gold to close above $2,009 futures, $2,009 on November 30th. That will attract even more uh, buying into the market. Now, the current market environment is this. In Shanghai, they've been buying. I think they're buying. I'm not sure. I think they're buying to take more delivery, not from us, take more delivery from their own exchange. And then a bank will take delivery from us to fill the gap. It's, it's, it's a game. That's what I think is going on. Uh, but I think, I think while the Shanghai uh, cohort has been buying, and when I say Shanghai, you should say that's the PBOC. That's the Chinese banks that are run by the government. Uh, the U.S. contingency of buying the CTA uh, buying has been short covering. And generally speaking, they don't get long silver like they get long gold. They will get long silver. When they do, that's a sign that the market has run its course for now. I would not be surprised. You know, I don't like to speculate on price out here because I change my opinion all the time. I would not be surprised if the gold market continued strongly uh, but there would be one big dip below 2000. And if gold settles above 2009 on November 30th, I'd expect some big buying to come in uh, uh, in silver, believe it or not, because silver will be cheap compared to gold on a monthly close basis and you will attract buying. 
Meanwhile, sprint versus marathon. Many, many people tell you silver is a marathon, not a sprint. Don't get a, you know, don't be patient. That's true, right? Uh, you could also make money sprinting in silver, assuming that you know how to uh, trade short term. My approach, and I'm just sharing this with you because it's the way to keep your sanity when you're thinking about the marathon, uh, is it's not a marathon and it's not a sprint. It's a, it's a marathon of sprints, meaning I sprint from place to place with the long-term goal in mind. So uh, if you're a runner, you know, I think runners do this, right? I'm running a 5K, but, you know, uh, at random spots, I'll have to sprint for 100 yards. And that's how my approach to trading silver. I will trade it short term, uh, but never get married to a short position because of my long-term feelings. And because of that, you know, I can keep myself entertained while I'm waiting for the home run to come, which it inevitably will. Anyway, it's 11.04 my time. So I don't know, maybe 1.19 your time. You can bet on that. Um, I'm Vince. This has been The Silver Fix. And have a great day. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, see you next week. Well, thank you, Vince, as always, for this week's report. Hope that you found that helpful at home as we dig back into a new trading week. And nice start to the week as we see silver back in positive territory on the year. Obviously, it's been a pretty volatile year with the rate hikes and the banking issues, moving the price between that $20 and $26 range, although at least as of the time of this recording, now back in positive territory on the year for silver. While we do also see the gold price once again over $2,000, did get a weekly close last week over $2,000. So setting us up for what will hopefully be a nice end to the year. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving, had a great break and getting a bit away from the markets for a couple of days and remembering the things to be grateful for. And one last note before we wrap up, did want to mention today's video brought to you by First Majestic Silver. And as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, First Majestic did open a new mint, which is going to help them further facilitate getting their silver direct to market, which is something obviously I know a lot of silver investors would like to see less of the mined silver going through the COMEX system. And First Majestic obviously been making efforts to do so and going to be able to do even more of that as one of their goals is to continue to make more of their products going directly to consumer. And I will have the link in the description field below where you can take a look at some of the products they have, um, several of which I do have at home here, including that, well, I got the 10 ounce medallion, which is down here, currently sold out. Although something that hopefully that mint will help them with, as I know there has been a lot of demand for what they are making over there. So thank you again to First Majestic, and thank you to everyone at home watching. Hope your week's off to a great start, and I will see you again tomorrow.